0: Okay, let's begin now because it only makes sense.
2: Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. Boy, I am so excited today. The this day has gone to the dogs. They're my favorite people and it really is and I do mean it in a really good way, and I want to start off by saying that I have the most amazing guests here today. There's Gordon Shotgun Shell, Luke Westerman, and Mark Barone and Marina Durvan. Now, each one is doing their part to eliminate animal cruelty, cultivate compassion for the animals, and surprisingly, each one is using art as their engine for social change. Now, I want to introduce uh, you to each one, but in just in a moment, because I'm going to replace my usual monologue with a call to action, one of many, I think, today. So I'm going to ask you, who wants to be in show business? Literally. One of the Good Radio Projects for Good is Mark Barone and Marina Durvan, uh, who are the founders of An Active Dog. They're the subject of a documentary, an initiative being filmed by Sagacity Productions and PBS. Now, the film is a story of an artist, Mark, who bears witness to a disturbing social problem and uses his talents to do something about it. The project is in the final production phase and is in need of an additional sixty-seven, sixty-eight hundred dollars dollars to help us provide production crew for three separate locations so they're looking for um, a minimum of $1,000 a person. And if you want to become an executive producer and be part of bringing this compassion-filled, optimistic story to PBS audiences, then I urge you to contact Bonnie Silva, who is bonnie at Now, I'd like to welcome back my old friends, Marina Durvan and Mark Barone. Uh Welcome back, you two. Hi.
3: Hi thanks for doing? having us.
2: Thank you. Would you like, just take a moment and explain uh, to folks what an active dog is, the Museum of Compassion, and Mark, what you've been doing for the past five years?
3: Yeah, I'll I'll just give you a a summary, and thanks for that fabulous intro. Um, uh, Basically, uh, what happened was Mark had his dog Santina for 22 years, and she died, and it was about six months after that that I had gone online looking for another dog to adopt. And unfortunately, of course, Mark was not even close to ready to adopt another dog. So instead of finding a dog, I discovered what was going on with the shelter system and the millions of animals that we were killing every year and uh, presented that problem to Mark. I was outraged by it. And of course, Mark has been an artist for over 35 years. So his thinking was to illustrate uh just to take one of the animals otherwise we'd be here for 14 years but um to yeah. illustrate what we kill in what we kill him one day so we got an approximate number so mark took four years 1400 days straight to paint 5,500 portraits of shelter dogs um that are no longer with us and uh to actually that's kind of where it started And, and of course, the ultimate goal is to get it up in in a working, interactive museum. Um, And we have two parallel pathways. One is that we turn all the images into uh, art products, and 100% of the money from that goes back to all the rescues across the nation. And uh, the other pathway is to actually introduce art for social change uh, into schools and to really uh, show the next generation how to cultivate compassion and how to actually, rather than have art for art's sake on the wall, to actually have it be purposeful. And so we've been working with schools as well. So I hope that kind of summarizes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mark, Mark, your paintings are, some of the paintings are eight feet by eight feet and others are like 12 Mm -hmm. inches, maybe by 12 Mm -hmm. inches, something Mm -hmm. like that. But you, I know that there was a couple of dogs that you painted that were very special. I think Oreo is one. Do you want to tell us her story?
4: Uh, Oreo, uh, you know, was thrown out of a six-story uh, uh, apartment building in Brooklyn and uh, broke both front legs and cracked ribs and everything else. And so uh, uh, the uh, ASPCA took uh, Oreo in, rehabilitated him, and then after they got done rehabilitating, there was a bunch of uh, rescue groups and other people that were ready mm-hmm. to come in. And uh, because they they started saying that he had aggression problems and. Uh, So they ended up killing him, and when there was people that were willing to take him, so uh, he is one of the uh, uh, eight foot by eight foots. And you know, I have uh, you know text in the painting along with the painting itself to really tell his story or tell her story. And uh, it it was really a a horrific thing. And then they tried to get a law passed uh, called Oreos Law, and Oreos Law was uh, a, a law that would allow rescue groups and uh you know sanctuaries to pull these dogs that they deemed aggressive or what you know or problematic and they were able to pull them from uh you know a shelter before they would be killed so they would give them another chance to live and uh the aspca was one of the uh, uh forerunners in trying to kill that act and they ended up did killing the uh yeah the
3: wow yeah, yeah.
2: I, and I know um, that we'll talk to Luca a little bit too, who, who is really working hard to to change change how shelters and how laws work. Uh, go ahead, Marina. Sorry.
3: No, yeah, I was just going to answer your question. The eight by eights is eleven of them, and they all represent additional issues like you know breed-specific legislation. We have Lennox that Mark painted uh, for that issue. You know, all different issues from dog fighting, animal you know animal testing. Uh, you know, killing animals to space, puppy mills, etc. So it's to kind of, you know, really uh, take a broad stroke and introduce people to all of the issues that need to be addressed. And
2: each of these dogs are real dogs. They were real dogs that were in shelters. They're not just made-up dogs. And just to give you right. folks who are listening an idea of the scope, the size and scope of this museum, it's two football fields, two football fields filled with paintings of real dogs who were killed in one day. How incredible is that? Just outstanding, mm-hmm. Mark and Marina. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You, and I really you. hope that, that 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 the money comes through for you for the for the film for the PBS documentary. How how sad a commentary though is it that we need to teach compassion to to. To the world. I mean, come on. That's just that's just incredible to me. I'm gonna introduce you to our mm-hmm. next folks, and then I want you to stick around because we are gonna have a, a good conversation, I know. Gordon Shotgun Shell. Wow, there's nothing wrong with Gordon's heart from where I sit. It may have shortened his 28-year fighting career with the former, you know, this former MMA. Uh, his heart belongs to the dogs, though, and I know that they appreciate his 20 years of service on their behalf. Gordon has volunteered with different animal organizations like the Michigan Humane Society. He's worked as an independent a cruelty investigator co founded the anti-dog fighting campaign and he challenged Mike Vick to a charity fight to raise money to end dog fighting so far. So yeah. welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no, my pleasure. So you you sent out this you know public, uh, very public because you got T-shirts made and posters and everything. And in twenty sixteen, Mike Vick, you know, come fight me. Um, only you know, I, what's the wording that you use on that shirt?
5: Uh, make make this happen or make the fight happen. There's a and the but you the, the shirt only the...
2: only punks or something. Do dogs? Yeah. what did you well, put on it?
5: Yeah, um, well, the the main shirt that kind of got the most notoriety and, and it sold the most, it was uh, what I wore in my very last fight that was during the movie, and it just said, Fight Me, Mike Vick. So it was just a very quick, to-the-point message to get out there, and it, um, it went viral on the Internet. I made one shirt for that fight, and people wanted it, and it was an easy fundraiser for what I do and to back up all of my exploits that I have going on, because I have way too many for my income that I have so everything I do is self-funded and uh right. I accept donations but I I don't go out there asking for things so I figured if I I had a shirt and then you you would watch the movie last night um the proceeds from the movie go to help what I do um so I'm trying to just fund it that way
2: Well, let's – I'm going to just give out two websites. First of all, go to www.anactivedog.org, and Mark and Marina, they have beautiful products there for sale as well because they're funding their venture. Gordon's website is www.gordonshell.com, and as he just mentioned, he is also funding all of his projects. And he's also funding his legal fees because Gordon was arrested in March for removing – a dog who was about to die from from an owner's property, and um, ended up having to spend five days in jail and paying a thousand dollar fine. Is that correct? Do I have it right?
5: Yep, thousand dollars in fines and about twenty three thousand dollars in legal and travel bills. fees. So <laughs> yeah. it was a it was a nice a little uh, uh, well, it was a nice expense. But you yeah. know, dog's a dog's, a dog's it, life was saved, and I think I did the right thing. And it, it obviously wasn't the legal thing, but. I don't think we can always follow the law if there's a life on the line. So we're going to work really hard to change that law and protect the rescuers, so that if we need to do something like that in the future, nobody else has to go through what myself and the other two volunteers are going through.
2: Well, let me let me tell folks about you and, and what you, your last fight congratulations on your win um gordon yeah. gordon had to quit fighting because he has a problem with his heart and he was couldn't get the oxygen that he needed and and you know it was dangerous i mean really he could die if he fought but he was presented an offer by d'onofrio who said that you know i'm going to give you like fifteen thousand dollars to your animal fund to you know helping you save the animals if you fight and and so you know, he, he took it seriously. He weighed the pros and the cons. Um, and then you decided that it was worth it to go in, in this last fight to, to raise yeah. that money. <laughs> what, what, I mean, wow. You really did um, like the line for the dogs. And I'm, I'm hoping to do
5: one more. And I, I, I just want to clarify to get ready for that fight. It took a lot of physical conditioning. I was under really strict monitoring by my doctor just to make sure that I wasn't going to die. I was married at the time. My wife was obviously concerned about my health. Sure. So we took every precaution like possible.
3: Yeah.
5: And then and then I brought my heart up to a healthy level. And now I, can t- I own a gym and I continue to train as if I have another fight coming up because I hope I do. And I'm hoping that Michael Vick will eventually accept this fight. And I'll go in one more time, and I don't expect him to be that much of a challenge. So I don't think my heart would be, you know, too stressed in that one. But it would be an event of a lifetime for me, and it would raise hundreds of thousands of dollars to end dog fighting, And that, that's my whole goal with this fight.
2: And that's a wonderful goal. But I, did, I just want to say woman-to-woman, woman, Marina. I watched his video, and mm-hmm. he had he took off uh four pounds i think in in a half an hour because he was four pounds overweight so he ran for half an hour he took off four pounds like how the heck does that happen (laughs) 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 For me, Uh, (laughs) I, I
5: i took off a total of 64 pounds to actually make that fight when i accepted the fight i was over 240 pounds and i fought at 181 pounds so it was uh it was a long wow. camp, but it got me back to uh, the best health that I've ever been in, and I continue to maintain that health and just continue awesome. to keep on training and working. We're and are they... a
2: commercial break. I'm sorry. We're going to a commercial break. I can't stop sure. him. I wish I could. Luke, we're going to introduce <laughs> you on our way back. Stay tuned, Great. everyone. Don't go anywhere. We're coming back, and we're going to save some dogs.
5: Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747.
0: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
6: Most of the time, exercise rejuvenates you and increases your energy. But every once in a while, you may find that you're feeling tired in your workout and every movement is an effort. My advice is simple. Turn up the music. Listening to fast-paced, uplifting music can really be helpful. According to the Journal of Sport and Exercise Psychology, your overall endurance improves by 15% when you exercise to music. So put on your preferred playlist or turn the radio up and treat yourself to a great workout while listening to your favorite music. The pulsating beat and uplifting lyrics can truly spur you on to complete your exercise, and also to get an outstanding workout. Turn up the music and turn up the energy and motivation. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook.
2: And we're back to Frankie Sense and More. I am your host, Frankie Picasso, and I want to thank you for sticking around and, and staying put because, you know, it's all about the dogs today. I want to introduce you to Luke Westerman. Luke is a venture capitalist. He's a dedicated philanthropist and a devoted activist. And I just love him. I just fell in love with this guy. Luke is the director for the Westerman Family Foundation. It's his family's philanthropic arm, and it's his capacity he, to direct financial donations Orchestrate advocacy efforts and advise nonprofits how to maximize their impact. Well, he's heavily involved in charitable organizations and endeavors, and he's on the board of trustees for several nonprofits like the Opera Columbus, Forge Columbus, and Ohio's Against Breed Discrimination, which the Huffington Post dubbed the country's first political action committee for pit bulls. Now, Luke is a contributing writer for Bark Post, as well as a keynote speaker and lecturer at universities and seminars nationwide. And he uses his platform wisely to educate and initiate public action. On a variety of subjects, including breed discriminatory legislation, shelter reform, the horrors of puppy mills, and effective. Activism. Now, Luke, I know you're not going to forget my name because you got a dog named Frankie and Dino. You got it. That's correct. (laughs) So that's great. I'm glad I'm memorialized in your dog. Um, (laughs) And they are your pride, your joy, and your inspiration to do more for all the bully breeds, you and your your wife, Alicia. Uh, So you're not going to stop. You have vowed not to stop fighting until there are no more puppy mills or breed-specific legislation anywhere in the United States, and I'm so happy to hear that. Welcome. One
7: hundred percent. Thank you so much. What a what a pleasure to be here, Frankie.
2: Oh, mine, mine. So tell us what you've been up to. I know that you've been busy and you've got some things really uh, right on on the cutting edge about to happen.
7: Yeah. So so there are a lot of different fronts that we're working on right now. Um, as you mentioned in in that uh, very kind intro, Ohioans against great discrimination is one of the initiatives that we're heavily involved with, uh, and really our goal for that is to end breed-specific legislation throughout the state of Ohio. And the way we're doing that is is there's several different things that we're working on. For one, we're trying to pursue that at the state level, trying to introduce legislation that would make it illegal to discriminate on any breed of dog just because they happen to be born that specific breed of dog. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we're doing is going city to city and trying to help each city overturn breed-specific legislation if they have it already. And it's interesting, we were at an event, Gordon and I both ran an event on Saturday called the Ohio Pitbull March. And one of the speakers, mm-hmm. our dear friend Stephen Baldwin, he went during his speech, he, he mentioned all the cities in the state of Ohio that have breed-specific legislation. And I don't uh-huh. know if you remember this, Gordon, but I felt like he was talking for five minutes. I mean, there's so many people oh in town in Ohio that discriminate against breeds of dog. And it's not just pit bulls, it's a lot of different breeds of dog. But it's heartbreaking and very disconcerting to think that in this day and age, discrimination is still law. Police can technically show up to your house and pull your dog, your family member, from your house, take it to a shelter and euthanize it. That is law in many, many cities in the state of Ohio. And this this happens all across the country. It happens all over the world, unfortunately. I think most of us are aware of the case up in Belfast, Ireland, where uh, the authorities confiscated the dog and ultimately euthanized the dog just because it was born with a blocky head. And, and these kind of things are, are incomprehensible. And uh, because we're so passionate about the cause, we've created this political action committee, Ohioans Against Pre-Discrimination, to try to make discrimination illegal in Ohio. And then our goal is to take the same model and apply it to other states as well. I mean, we would love to see a country a united states completely void of any form of discrimination um and so that's what our goal is
2: well that that would be awesome i think that's we we have to do that we have to do it across the country and i know mark that you probably know this that that dogs that are black they're discriminated against they're they're the first ones killed because people oh they're scary we're going to kill black dogs that's
4: right yeah it's ridiculous yeah, yeah very much so
2: yeah, and Gordon, when you went out with the Humane Society, Mark, you guys lived in Michigan for quite a while, didn't you, before you moved?
4: Uh, you no, uh, we, I, lived in, I lived in Kentucky, which is, uh, I think, uh, one of the worst for uh, animal welfare in the country, and it always has been. But that's where we ended up doing the project, and, uh, and uh, so... Uh,
2: wow, I, I, uh, I thought that Roswell, so, Mexico you know, yeah. was the worst. <laughs> Horrible no, 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 I, I tell you, you know, they're,
4: they're neck and neck because it, it was, uh, it, it was horrific. We used to go to, over to the uh, uh, animal care and control for the city and it, it was, uh, it was just absolutely depressing. It was absolutely wow. depressing going over there.
2: Um, Sorry, Gordon. So you went out, you, you went out with animal control with the Michigan Humane Society
6: and yep, you are pretty curled. horrific
2: things. Yep. Yeah, tell us about it. And I don't want to depress people, but you know what? You have, the reality is that people misuse and mistreat animals hor- horrifically.
5: Yeah, and, it, you know, it, there, it is depressing, but there's a lot of happy endings. The, the, uh, the shirt that I do sell with the Michael Vick on it, on the backside, it's me holding a dog named Leo. And Leo was thrown into a sewer, and we found him four days later. Somebody heard him crying. He was about 18 pounds. Um, he's now mm-hmm. sixty five pounds fat, happy, just crazy. Uh, and so there are happy endings. but we also yeah. see the duck fight investigations. And um, we also get out there and see that maybe it's not even dog fighting, Maybe it's just hoarding and or it's it's somebody that doesn't have the education to take care of the animals. So we'll go out and we'll educate them and help them to take care of their animals first before we enforce anything. And that's something that Stefan Baldwin taught me. You know, we assist, we educate, and then we enforce. The last thing we want to do is take somebody's animal because mm-hmm. it just adds them to the shelter system. We don't need to do that.
2: Yeah, exactly. So... Luke, how would you like to see the shelter reform? What would you like to see take place?
7: Yeah, so one of the biggest things that we want to see is every single dog who comes into a county or government-run shelter Mm -hmm. have a fair shake at getting a forever adopted home. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of the things that we've seen, I'll give you one specific example. Right here in Ohio, in Dart County, which is a, a rural part of the state here, The Dart County Animal Shelter immediately euthanizes every single pit bull dog that it intakes. But what happens is if it comes in, they visually identify it as a pit bull. They're not doing any sort of DNA testing. They just look at it. If it has a blocky head, they say it's a pit bull. So after the state required three-day hold, which is set up so that any of the dog's owner has time to reclaim it, once that three-day hold is up, they immediately kill the dog. And again, what we're seeing, first of all, that's that's horrible. But what we're also seeing is dogs that are that are not pit bulls at all. You know, they're they're, they're looking at dogs Mm -hmm. They're laughed with a little more squared off head that they're calling pit bulls. Um, And it's just it's really sad. So we have uh, been working, trying to to get an audience with the decision makers at that county, which are three commissioners. um, And they have been unwilling to even have any sort of discussion around this topic. They are sticking to the dog warden. The dog warden's been there for decades um, and, Mm -hmm. frankly, needs to move on, needs to hit the dusty trail and retire. Because, you know, anyone that's still killing these dogs at such an alarming rate simply because they have a blocky head. There's no behavior testing. there's, There's no assessment process. It's just you look a certain way. And we're right. going to euthanize you. That, that's just such a a sad and archaic mentality. Anyone with that mentality should not be in that business, first of all. So that's one of the shelters that we're working with. Um, you know, again, you know we, the
2: Kansas City, Kansas City used to used to kill everything just like that, and then they they had yeah. a change of heart, and they instead of becoming a shelter, they became an adoption center, and just by changing yep. that, they now bring in like a million dollars a year. Like they have a funding model that is. Just incredible. They're making money. They're not killing animals, and they're making money. And they could happily yes, yes. show anybody how to do that. Like, why wouldn't somebody, a shelter, want just change? Like, uh, go yeah, from that, depressing that, to that, happy.
7: That is, that is a, the, the perfect question to be asking. And what we've seen in a lot of cases, especially when it's a government-run shelter, you've got, usually run by counties or cities, so you've got city council people or you've got uh, county commissioners that oversee these shelters. And a lot of times there's pride involved. There's ego. There is mm-hmm. a, an unwillingness to relinquish control. There is a, a propensity to be defensive and say, wait a minute, these people are coming in here and telling us how to do things, saying we're not doing things the right way. And so there's, a, there's this tendency for them to get on their heels and then and they get quite defensive and they just automatically combat anything, any sort of efforts towards reform. So, you know, we have in our efforts um, taking painstaking measures to make it clear we come in peace. We want to help. We care about the dogs. We also care about the citizens in the city and in the county. We don't want to do anything to put anyone at risk. But let's right. sit down at the table respectfully. Let's have a constructive conversation around what's working, what's not working. And if we can collaborate and determine that there's improvements that can be made, then let's do that. Let's do that without ego, without any kind of hidden agenda. And we've started to see success in my home county here, Franklin County, where uh, Columbus, Ohio is, where we're working uh, very well right now with the shelter leadership to make some reforms and to bring about some improvements there. So it can absolutely be done. Um, We're hoping that at some point the Dart County Animal Shelter that I mentioned a moment ago will also do something similar and come to the table, put ego aside and say, look, we're here for the dogs and we're here for the people in our county, and let's talk about how we can – can uh, create a situation
2: that's better for everyone. Here, here, yeah. And I invite each of you just to jump in whenever, if you have something to say or you want to say anything, please, please do that. I, I just wanted to give a shout out to. Uh, James trained James really wanted to be on the show today and unfortunately he was called to work and and he just couldn't get away from his boss to do that but he's he he has six bully type dogs at his home and King Corso and a couple of different you know bull mixes and he has these dogs so beautifully trained his six-year-old Can take total control of the dog and walk it and do everything and feel perfectly safe and be in total control. So it's not the dog, it's the owner. And I fully believe in that. I really do. Um, The other day, I met the scariest dog I've ever met. And I have never been afraid of a dog. Dogs that love me. And you know what this dog was? It was a Bernese mountain dog doodle mix. Scariest mother I ever (laughs) met. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the the eyes were like totally glassed over he looked ready to kill and you like growling at me and i'm like holy like never met a dog like this so you know what they come in all shapes and forms and it's not just Yeah, they do
7: that's correct
2: <laughs> gordon yes sitting there what are you what are you thinking
5: um listen i'm taking it all in every time i hear mesmerized so he's uh he does such a good job and he's doing such hard work and and just just hearing that i mean i testified in front of waterford city, city council that's where you see diggy the dog that's been all over the internet and on good morning america and they've had breed specific legislation in place for 28 years now and when i stood there and testified in front of them um same thing that luke said they were euthanizing anything that came in their their policy was just anything over 40 pounds and oh, that was wow wild, wild. Wild shepherds and it gave no waiting period so my speech was i wore my bulletproof vest and i said while i'm out there getting shot to save these dogs i hand them over to you and you immediately kill them and it just doesn't make sense
2: it makes no sense there was a group i just want to cry right now we are going to go to another commercial break in in a little less than seven seconds so i'm going to stop you so that uh we come back and keep that thought Whatever it was, keep it because it's important. If you're out <laughs> listening at home, feel free to you know call in or send a message or something. Um, our lines are kind of full, I think, right now. But um, Ben, my producer, is going to take your message and he's going to deliver it to us and we can answer your questions. So thank you for that. We'll be right back. Don't we'll go anywhere.
1: For... I do it all the time, which makes me feel like a total sieve head as the Brits would say. Some might blame it on old age, but a recent study reported in the Quarterly Journal of Experimental Psychology suggests the simple act of passing through a doorway causes memory lapses. It appears the brain regards a doorway as an event boundary and effectively files away whatever you were thinking about as soon as you step through. What's a word for the feeling your thoughts are being stolen? new kleptia. So what's the solution? Try carrying an object that reminds you of the task. For example, if you go into another room to get a pair of scissors, carry the object you want to cut. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my
6: free app, Too Funny for Word.
0: It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
6: A study done by the University of North Carolina found that Americans are not only eating more, we are eating more often. From 1977 to 2006, the number of daily meals and snacks increased from five to seven. The study also cited that we are consuming 570 more calories per day than we were in the late 1970s. The meal portions have stabilized in recent years, but the total number of calories consumed is rising. Eating five to seven small healthy meals throughout the day instead of eating just three large meals keeps your metabolism revved up and keeps your hunger away. But the operative word here is small. Choose fresh fruit, vegetables, and low-calorie nutritious food for your meals, along with daily exercise. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at annettehammond.com.
2: And we're back. It's Frankie Sensen And we're here. And we have Gordon Schell. We have Luke Westerman. We have Marina Durvan and Mark Barone. And, wow, I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. So we, were, we went to break, and we, and we decided that we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about puppy mills. <laughs> like we don't have – let's talk about puppy mills. Who wants to start?
7: I, I, I'm happy to start. This is Luke. Yeah, so one of the things that, uh, that we're trying to do in the state of Ohio and, and in the country and in the world is end puppy mills. They are an mm-hmm. absolute uh, terrible, uh, terrible thing, and they exist all over the place, and a lot of people don't know. So 99.9% of pet stores that sell animals are selling dogs from puppy mills. And if yes. you Google puppy mills, you'll get a, a firsthand glimpse as to what puppy mills are. They're, they're horrible. We're talking about dogs that spend their entire lives in cages so small they can't even stand up. They'll spend 8 to 10 years in a cage where they're constantly hunched over to the extent that their backs eventually begin to take a shape that's like bowed over hunchback. These dogs will never touch the grass. They will never see the sun. They'll never feel the breeze on their face. They'll never have a single uh, minute of contact with another animal or with a human being. It's, it's abysmal. And pet stores are, that are selling dogs are selling dogs from puppy mills. It's just a flat-out reality. And so we're trying to help um, lawmakers understand this reality and, and create legislation to combat it. And I'll just give you this uh, most recent success story. The city of Grove City, which is a suburb of Columbus here, recently passed an ordinance which would make puppy sales illegal within their city limits. Um, this is a, a, a wonderful success story of a lot of incredible, um, very dedicated advocates and some really good city council members who got it.
3: Mm-hmm. And
7: this definitely got a lot of opposition from uh, from big lobby groups and from some of these big pet stores that, hey, selling puppy mill dogs is big business. There's a lot of money for them to make in this, so they want to fight uh, ordinances like this. But we prevail, the ordinance passed. And now uh, these, these pet stores, these shameless pet stores and these profiteers have tried to go to the state level and overturn that ordinance. Um, They've tried everything from trying to slip amendments into unrelated tax bills so they can kind of sneak it in under the noses of of state taxpayers and voters. Uh, Now they're trying to introduce separate legislation and circumvent due process by, again, trying to cram this thing through under the radar. Um, It's really shady, and and, and our efforts have been to try to combat this along the way. Um, It's just been interesting to kind of see behind the scenes as to what goes into – laws becoming laws and, or or not becoming laws. And, and all the backdoor dealings that we've had to see from pet stores and legislators, um, it's it's unfortunate.
2: Yeah. So bottom line, don't buy your pets at the mall. Go Do to reputable breeders or to a shelter and, and find your animal there. And if you are going to go to a breeder, make sure you see mom and dad if you can and, yes, and have a correct. good look at them. Last week, there was... Um, uh, there were a couple of animals around me who who were advertised on um, like Kijiji, which is like a Craigslist, and people went and they picked up these dogs at gunpoint, took these puppies because they were bully puppies of some sort um, at gunpoint from the owner, and you know they figured that these dogs are going to be used as bait dogs or or whatever, um, or grow up to be fighting dogs, and one was actually found dead. So. You know, be Uh, careful about who who you're getting dogs from. And if you're a reputable breeder, like James, you know, he didn't want to talk about the breeding because he does have a couple of, you know, breeding. But what he does is he makes sure he stays in touch with the people who take his dogs. He wants to see those dogs for the next year. And he would take that dog back, I know, if he thought that dog was being abused in any way. So that's somebody You're right.
7: You're right, Frankie. Reputable breeders are going to screen you, the adopter, mm -hmm. As much as you are going to be screening them, they're going to want to know what the home environment's like. You have a fence. You plan on taking the dog on walks. They're going to want you to sign an agreement stating that for any reason in the future, you can't handle this dog. I want you to promise me contractually you'll bring this dog back. They want to take and, that much yes. painstaking care. And if you're not being asked those questions, if you're not seeing those things, it's probably not a reputable breeder.
2: And they may also ask you to sign a contract not to breed that dog. Yeah, you know? absolutely. You might have to do exactly that too. exactly
7: right. You're right.
2: So, you know, be very careful and and know who you're getting it from. I I, I gave a shout-out to Ronnie Stanley two weeks ago, but I'm going to say it again because he's a Baltimore Ravens player who went into an animal shelter and asked for the one dog that's been here the longest that nobody wants. And it was a female, it was a female dog. And they said, well, you know, her breasts are hanging. She's been over, she was a puppy, you know, she was overbreeded and whatever. And he goes, that's okay. That's what happens to women who have a lot of babies. That's okay. I'll take her anyway. So, you know, shout out to him for being so compassionate and and taking the one dog, you know, that nobody wants. And, And I think a lot of people, hopefully you will go in and do the same thing because, you know, they can offer you a lot of love. Even older dogs can give you lots of love to the end of their lives.
7: Amen to that.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there you go. Exciting new news from uh, Gordon. Gordon, you are starting a, a new project, a shelter rehab project. Tell us about that.
5: Well, a lot of people don't know that I'm a former builder, and Stefan and I had an idea a while back, and, and Dr. Katie Nelson also had the idea. So I think we we're all working on the same page. Our work in the streets, I mean, Stefan has a little more resources than I do as far as places to take the dogs. He even takes them back to his own home. He has, I believe, 16 dogs in his home now. But there's a lot of places where the people begin to make a shelter, and they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart, but they just don't have the proper facility. It's not up to code. It's not comfortable for the animals. And and another concern is nobody wants to go to a bad facility to adopt a dog. So the right. future for these dogs is minimal. So I want to make sure, and I put the invite out locally here, and I want to expand across the country But if you have a shelter and you need some help construction-wise, I'm getting some volunteers together and some building material supply companies that if you need a new roof, if you need some plumbing brought up to code, if you need some electrical, proper ventilation, all of those things to try to help out. I'm starting a program to do that. So my first, I'm going to uh, inspect the shelter on Monday morning, and that will probably be my first project. They just need separation between the cats and dogs, and um, I want to offer that up. So it will expand, and it will lead to kind of a bigger program that I'm working on nationally that will eventually be funded by somebody bigger. Um, Right now I'm just doing this one out of my pocket and with donations, so hoping to kick it off as soon as possible.
2: Well, like you said, you're doing everything out of pocket. Um, so so go to Gordon's site, gordonshell.com. He's got hats. He's got hoodies. He's got the video, um, the fantastic documentary that he did. Uh, what else are you selling there? Um, dog tags, maybe, I think. My dog soul. Stuff. Your soul. <laughs> Anybody <types> <laughs> you know, wants to buy it.
5: So, you know, yeah, whatever yeah. it takes. Got to keep this thing going.
2: Mark, we're going to talk about you because I know you really want us to talk about you. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm happy to listen. <laughs> tell, tell
2: us about the documentary. Tell us about the PBS documentary. Is close to being done, or is it? It's almost done, um, right?
3: Can, could I just make a sure, comment Marina? On go me. ahead. Uh, just yeah, I just wanted to encourage uh, anybody out there that's been in the habit. Just uh, from getting their dogs from breeders and particularly if they're bully breeds or or any kind of mix that they consider going to the shelter because most of the 5,500 dogs that Mark painted were pit bull bully breed mixes.
1: So I
3: think it's really important to encourage that, to not perpetuate that habit and to Help them understand that they're beautiful dogs just waiting in the shelter for their forever home and Bravo. you can yeah. really make a difference in their lives. So, just wanted Thank to for that. Say that?
5: Ad- absolutely agree.
3: Yeah, me too. Like,
5: mm-hmm. like the hashtag adopt, don't shop. So, you know, yes. always yeah. help. Yeah. That. That's right. And if
3: yeah.
2: you need any help, and you know, you- in training, then, you know, shout out. People are, lots of people will want to come help them.
3: Absolutely.
2: Gordon will mm-hmm. send somebody i yeah. Yeah. <laughs> love to work with them. Okay, so the documentary. So,
3: yeah, uh, well, PBS has been filming the journey that, that we've taken. Um, and, you know, obviously Mark painting the 5,500. They're in the final stages, and they'll paint the... Mark painted all 5,500 minus the final five because the, the uh, PBS wanted to capture those final uh-huh. five from beginning to end. And uh-huh. the stories that go along with them, you mean, we, because the 5,500, the main, it's a it's a collective story, which is their ending. It's the right. fact that they're abandoned and then they're dumped and then they're killed. And so right. that's, it's, it's one story it's of that 5,500. However, obviously there are some stories that we know. And so we saved five stories that we thought were particularly heinous um, for that final five that they'll be capturing. And so hopefully... Um, uh, they'll get the remaining uh, funding they need to come out and film, and it will air uh, hopefully later this year. And then hopefully the object, the objective is to hope that that will go international and then it will reach philanthropists that can help us get the actual exhibit up so we can really engage uh, the whole of the world in change because we've got fans all over the world that want to come to see the actual exhibit up and actually... So we can bring schools in and start making change in a very real way.
2: And I know that that part of that legacy was being being able to give money to shelters after the fact. Mm -hmm. You know, as as the museum goes on and things like that. So you have an architect for the museum.
3: Uh, Yes. Yes, we do. Uh, Yep, he's an architect from Los Angeles that did the renderings. Just a beautiful rendering prototype. Yeah, just as a prototype rendering. Um, And then obviously when we get help with that, we'll be, you know, the vision can be as big as, as, uh, you know, the people involved because it is, you know, we saw that there was no funding you know, you can't create an opial nation if you don't support the rescue groups who are pulling the animals and you don't have a foster network. So all of these things, for these people, there is no money going down. And we of that the large animal charities really don't care. And there is no money going down there. So we were, you know, not having money ourselves, we said, well, how can we do this to wake mm-hmm. up people and turn it into a product? So instead of it being a a for-profit company that, you know, there's plenty of them that make products, use sure. art, and make millions and millions, but none of it is going back for change. So, the, you know, Mark and I have not had a penny in five years. So all of this is to create a company uh, with beautiful products that could sell, and they do sell all over the world, but that it, when we're dead and gone, it's this fund that just continues to fund all of the issues and all of the groups that are saving lives.
2: That's beautiful, Marina. Um, we got a minute to our, to our commercial break. Is, do you have a location yet decided upon, or is it still
3: oh, It's going to be dictated by the philanthropists that help. Gotcha.
2: Out. Nice. Right. It's going to be so beautiful. I just cannot <laughs> wait. I hope, I hope to see it in my lifetime. I really do. Yeah, I'm sure
3: we do. Yes, we do, too.
2: Yeah. Yeah, me too. Uh, outstanding. Just outstanding. And when we come back, we're going to go to commercial break, and when we come back um, – Oh geez, I forgot what I want to talk about. <laughs> I know we're we'll, we'll, no, we'll fill it in. We're going to talk about the, the Pibble March. I want to talk about the Pibble March, and and, and oh, and I want to talk about um, the event that you have coming up in September for 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 the um, the sterilization of the animals, right? That's coming up, right, in September. Okay, we're going to commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We have more to talk about.
0: We'll be right back after we pay the bills. Welcome to Geraldine Tegelov Live, the show that shares with you the secrets of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding your life. Having pulled herself from the rubble of financial ruin and having gone on to create a highly successful career, Geraldine has become an expert in the art of transformation. She believes that it doesn't matter where you are right now, how overwhelmed you feel, or how impossible the task of turning your life around may seem. You can do it. Stay tuned as metaphysician, international best-selling author, and intuitive Geraldine Tegelov gives you the inner understanding and the outer practical how-to to create your amazing life. Gain a fresh perspective on how to redefine, reinvent, and rebuild your life. Join Geraldine Tegelove live every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the TogiNet Radio Network. This is the TogiNet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. It's words never
1: heard. Man cannot live by bread alone, he must have his peanut butter. Peanut butter is a pate of childhood, and it's not just for kids, as dogs love it, too. Last night, I gave my dog a pill hidden in peanut butter. What's a word for a messy concoction that helps the medicine go down? Sliver sauce. Mice apparently prefer peanut butter to cheese when it comes to luring them into the trap. But there are even more practical uses for peanut butter. Peanut butter contains natural oils, which makes it perfect for removing all kinds of sticky things, like gum stuck in your shoe or in your hair. What's a word for the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth? Iraq, phobia. And according to Barry Goldwater, if you don't mind smelling like peanut butter for two or three days, peanut butter is a darn good shaving cream. It's words you never I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, too, Funny for Words.
2: And we're back. You're listening to Frankie Sense and More. We've got Gordon, Luke, Marina. Mark and Frankie, and Frankie the dog he's listening to, I think. Yes, he is. <laughs> okay. So um, I wanted to talk about what you guys just, just finished doing was, was the um, Ohio Pibble March. What was that about? And are people doing that everywhere else too?
7: They should be doing that everywhere else. I know that uh, Katie Blanton uh, down in Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati Fit Group, uh, is one of the, uh, the creators of this event. This year on Saturday was actually the second annual Ohio Pitbull March. We had a great turnout. The whole idea is designed to just to bring attention to BSL, the horrors of BSL, and to just simply educate the public uh, about pit bulls and about free discrimination and discrimination as a whole. And then mm-hmm. to activate the public, give give folks a clear call to action. Here's how we can defeat BSL here's how we can open people's eyes about the true nature of pit bulls. Uh, Gordon was a speaker, a phenomenal speaker. Um, uh, Stefan Baldwin was uh, also a speaker, another great speaker. I got a chance to speak. It was a really fun event. And one of the other outcomes was you just bring a lot of good people together, a lot of activists, all rolling in the same direction, all trying to champion pit bulls. Uh, it, it was just a recipe for a wonderful event.
2: Um, I'm curious. <laughs> have you heard from Caesar?
5: We Hello? haven't heard of uh, either, No, and um, not. Uh, I don't want to bring it down, but not a big fan. Um, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> Amy,
2: but
5: I know he, he, he loves pities. Yeah, he's done some great work. It's just, I think, I think things have kind of gone sideways a little bit. So I just distanced myself yeah. from him a little bit. Rebecca Corey was kind of the ambassador of the whole march. Back in uh, mm-hmm. two years ago, she did it on Washington, D.C. and had about 4,500 people show up. So that was really well received. We got great write-ups in the papers. Obama even came out and, and supported our our march and said that, you know, BSL was discrimination. He didn't support it. So it would be great if they looked at, at, a, at a federal level and dictated it down, but, you know, that's near impossible. We have to do it at a state level. But it's... Right. It, Rebecca went, oh, nearly died planning that one, so she said oh, never again. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but if anybody wants to do it, and then you know, Katie Blanton stepped up and said, "I'm going to do one in Ohio. I hope people follow." And she's done it on her own or with the Cincinnati Pit Crew for the last two years, and she does a phenomenal job. We march, we speak, and then we all go back to an after party in a vendor village and. You get to sit around, and the networking is really some of the most important things because you mm-hmm. meet. Absolutely. That's where I'm. That's where I met Luke. Is is at it last year, and I met Stephen Baldwin at last year's. And since then, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna do some really really big stuff together. And without that march, I may have never met these guys. So I think it's an amazing event, mm-hmm. and I hope people will just start doing it in their own states. That's Absolutely.
2: Yeah, networking is super important. That's why I really I'm so glad that I have all of you on this show together because I think that you might do some good things together. Now, in September you're going to be doing a bully sterilization somewhere? Is that correct or do I have that wrong? Gordon?
5: Oh, me? No, I don't do sterilization.
2: Sorry. No, I know you don't
5: personally do it. But I saw no. I, thought I saw
2: a poster on your on your site about I, um, I,
5: I support different groups that do do that, but I'm not actively Yeah, and, uh, I'm not actively running anything myself.
7: Okay Frankie, I can uh, you tell did, you this we've got a uh, one of the things that we've been able to to do with the uh, Franklin County dog shelter here. You may have seen something like this on my wall on Facebook maybe. is we've got the the county uh, has just recently received a proposal from the shelter director here where their intention is to begin um, doing spay and neuter for free. For the community, five days a week. So basically every single day awesome. the shelters are open, Monday through Friday. Their intention is every morning to bring people in from the community who have dogs who are not spayed neutered and actually getting them fixed at no cost, Yay. which goes a long way to solve really the root problem uh, yeah. out there, which is just pet overpopulation. So we're, we're thrilled that that proposal has been submitted to the county. And now we got to hope that the county leaders actually approve it, which they should, and I expect them to. So this initiative, this wonderful initiative can start.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if you knew about this, but there's um, a company that I spoke to last year who were doing um, neuters uh, injection, injection by injection. And it takes like less than two minutes. Like they they inject and the dog sterilized and up and gone, ready to play again in like two minutes. It's incredible. Wow. Just so much easier than going under a knife, you know? So I'm, I'm hoping that they get some headway. And the price is about the same. So I'm really hoping that we see some, some, more, um, some more of that happening. It's unfortunate for the females it's a little bit more in, invasive. Um, the anti-dog fighting campaign, Gordon, you, you helped co-found that. And so you're just yep. hoping that people all over the country, if they hear about dog fighting, that they'll call in.
5: Yes, we, they can come in the easiest ways to go. instant message on our social media site or on the Facebook page, the anti-dog fighting campaign. and Patricia Miles and I started this about four years ago, and we've got over hundred twenty seven thousand followers on Facebook. Holy. and we so got, what happens?
2: Like how do you go out? How do you fix it? Stop it? Who do you call?
5: Uh, We've got investigators in seven different countries, so what we did is we just put out a call to action that we want people that are involved that have a background in law enforcement or animal control, or we we will interview people that want to be a part of this to see if they're qualified. If they're not a law enforcement agent, then they will take the right process to get the evidence needed to bring it to us or take it to local authorities so that we can do something about it. So it just gives us... A portal and a resource to get out to these other countries and also it was founded here in Detroit uh, so it just expanded out and it's great because I'm I'm the co-founder but I'm far from uh, working hard on this there is a crew right. of about 40 people just running this thing nonstop, and I I get the really high-end cases that they send to me other than that this thing just running like a machine next week i'll be on a conference call with rebecca Corey. i'm going to start the uh dog fighting uh hot uh tip line in detroit and in Mm -hmm. conjunction with the humane society with the thousand dollar reward if we get evidence that leads to a prosecution so we will blanket all of the uh like utility vehicles with stickers with the 1-800 number and we will pay for the city and there's going to be a lot of people that will turn in family members or neighbors that they know is dog fighting. if there's a $5,000 prize to mm. be found. So yeah. uh, I'm going to be administrating that myself, uh, as well as the rehab and my day job and everything else. So I don't believe
2: Nice. Much. Wow. So, and I just want to remind people, because we've had this, like, incredible heat wave, do not leave your dog outside, please. If you do, no. like, tons of water, Keep the, give them a shake, get them cooled down, you know, signs of... Um, you know, heat stress, and, and, and that is, you know, excessive panting where they can't stop or breathe. Purple gums. You know, they just look after your dogs. Do not ever leave them in a car with the window down in the summer. They will die. So, Amen. I'm remind people of that. Yes. I love the idea of of taking dogs from shelters, marrying them with you know, soldiers or people with, you know, PTSD. I love the idea of taking the dogs and putting them into prisons so that prisoners can have a job and train them because they do a really good job. Uh, what do you guys yes. think about that?
7: I love it. I yeah. think especially mm-hmm. when you're talking about, you know, folks that are incarcerated, um, mm. just the emotional process that they go through of working with these dogs, uh, the psychology of, of that. It's it's not only good for the dog and the dog doesn't just receive the training, but it's such a, such a healthy psychological process for these folks to go through who are doing time. And mm-hmm. I think these are the kind of things that start to, to improve kind of uh, mental ability and and, uh, and compassion and empathy, which will allow them to, once they uh, go back into society, be able to do so at a higher functioning level.
2: And become dog mm-hmm. trainers if they wish. You know, they Absolutely. have a job. Absolutely. Now they've, they've got a train. Out. You got it. Yeah, and i i, like I
5: can that. speak I can speak from experience being just out of incarceration for that five days.
2: <laughs> yes, you if
5: were. You had a companion <laughs> in there would have made life a lot easier. And I can see how somebody because you don't realize how trapped you feel and how much anxiety goes on. And mm-hmm. I can't believe that that is going to produce a healthy person after any long period of time. But yeah, if you no. had a companion in there and a dog that loves you unconditionally. I think that would change the prison system. It, it just there's to. no doubt about
2: it. I agree. That's mm-hmm. a, I'm going to start lobbying for that. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I, I love that idea. I really do. I think that that makes so much sense, especially somebody who's a lifer too. Like, can you just imagine like never having love or or anything? And you know, there's so many people incarcerated wrongly that you know i'm not even going to start on that one that's another show but we're talking about the dogs today (laughs) anybody have anything else they want to say about the dogs the pit bulls any kind of dogs
7: you know i'll just my final comment would be in terms of a call to action for people if you see something wrong If you see something broken, please get active about fixing it. Use social media. It's a great tool to educate people. It's a great tool to influence public opinion about dogs like pit bulls who are wrongfully stereotyped. Actively engage your local afflicted leaders. Call and email them. Lobby them. Tell them how you feel about issues. Tell them how you want them to vote. And please collaborate openly with other advocates. Remember, on our own we're effective, but together we are unstoppable.
2: I like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people always say, oh, nothing's going to change. We can't change anything. But that's not true, is it, Luke? I mean, you can that is not make true. Heavy.
7: Absolutely. Sometimes it takes some time. Sometimes, that you know, there's ebbs and flows. You'll, you'll have some wounds through the battle. But but uh, we've seen it too many times where progress has been made. And if we're willing to, to put in the work and we can do it collaboratively with others, we can absolutely make change. Yes. <laughs>
2: One really quick Mm -hmm. comment I want to talk about is compassion fatigue, because I know, you know, I talk to nonprofits all the time on the shows, and in the doggy world, you guys are each struggling, you know, to to bring money and funding in for your ventures. Um, How do we overcome this compassion fatigue, do you think? Luke, you work with nonprofits. Like, how, how are you? I will yeah, two a, minutes, really. There's but. a
7: couple different things. A couple different things. I, I think that being around other people is key. If you try to go at this alone, if, mm-hmm. if you get tunnel vision on this and you don't have other people there to pick you up when you've fallen down or to encourage and inspire you when you're weary, uh, let's face it, this, this, this industry is physically, emotionally, and mentally exhausting right? And you've mm-hmm. got to have a good support structure. You've got to have people in your life that can help you with those things. Sometimes it's important to take an hour, take a day, take an afternoon and unplug and relax and just take time for yourself. Recharge your batteries, then you'll come back at it and you'll be ready to go uh, and enthused again.
2: Good job. www.gordonshell.com, www.anactofdog.org. And Luke, do you want to speak about your website?
7: Yeah, so we've got Ohioans Against Breeds Discrimination.org, and then our family foundation is WestermanFamilyFoundation.org. And those two sites have a lot of information about the different things that we're working on. And then lastly, CitizensForShelterReform.org. That's the, all, all the that. work that we're doing to work with shelters. Yeah, check nice. it out, folks.
2: Nice. Good job. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you so much for being so supportive, and thank you so much for coming on the show. And those of you who are listened, please you know, listen to this again. Get all of those names and websites down. Go and take a visit and get involved. I appreciate it. We all appreciate it. And we'll be back next week. Thank you so much. Thank you,
3: Thanks, guys. Thank, thank you. you. Hit thank you. Thank you.